Yuka Pekasaraste, welcome to Sunday Night at the TSO. It's an honor to speak with you. Likewise. I'm very happy to be here. Toronto very much looks forward to welcoming you back later this month. What do you look forward to about your return? Is there anything about Toronto that you've missed over the last 20 years? Of course, many, many things. I think my first impression when I first came to Toronto and met the orchestra and, and saw the city, and it's a very kind of a friendly, dynamic and uh, exciting atmosphere. I'm, I'm always looking forward to come back after so many years. It makes this even more important. Yes, on March 23rd, 24th and 26th, you will be leading the TSO through two symphonies by Jean Sibelius, who's far and away the most internationally renowned of Finnish composers. Domestically speaking, you know, I was in Helsinki for the first time myself back in 2019, and it struck me being there that one cannot overstate the importance of Sibelius to the Finnish people. He's everywhere. For those of us on the outside, I wanted to ask you, why is that? What is about him, the man, the musician, that makes him so central? Without being uh, anything like nationalistic or patriotic, but, but the importance of Sibelius for the small nation of Finland, for a small amount of people under the circumstances when uh, Finland wanted to kind of find its roots and the identity, his uh, contribution was enormous in finding kind of the Finnish uh, soul and culture and uh, also the tradition of, of music. It was a miracle that such a talent could kind of appear from the very small population. And I still think that is incredible to me. He was ahead of his time and, and somehow created his own musical world that was communicating with the, with the, of course, European trends at the time. He was a fan of, big fan of Bruckner and, and, and Wagner. But nevertheless, he could, uh, from that kind of background, create his unique language, musical language. Every symphony, one to seven, they have its own message. Uh, and he, he wasn't continuing with one style, but was able to renew himself every time he wrote the symphony. The symphonies that you'll be leading are the symphonies numbers five and seven. How do these two work together on a program or what do they reflect about Sibelius? They actually work really well because after the symphony number four, Sibelius wasn't going towards this kind of dissonance world that was existing in, in Central European music. And, and he kind of wanted to find his way using the kind of relatively classical or tonal harmonies. And in both these symphonies, he's not experimenting with trends with the harmony, but trying to make a thematic unity. And, and I find that that is incredibly personal. On the surface, they are very, very easy but if you think the progression and also the kind of the feeling of goal in, in both of these works, that is the kind of the great skill of Sibelius, that he, he could do this enormous long lines in symphonical context. There is an enormous breadth in the sound and in the phrasing, as you mentioned. I wanted to ask, actually, I mean, people often, when citing Sibelius and the Finnish sound, they point to the landscape as a kind of mirror. But I'm wondering, you know, as a Finn, and, and obviously Sibelius's music transcends borders, but this is out of my curiosity as a musician, I wanted to ask you, is there some particular quality 
or some key to Sibelius's music that's essential to keep in mind that non-Finns often miss? Well, I think um, Sibelius, not only landscape, but also this kind of uh, spatial uh, things that happen in Sibelius. And, and, and also one important word is gravitation, which uh, sometimes he turns it upside down and then, then brings it back again. He was a master of manipulating that sense of, uh, of space. And, and uh, in both symphonies, when he puts a trend of something thematical coming from the bottom and it goes higher and higher and higher and then somehow reaches the top, the functions of these different trends in his music become kind of upside down. He's kind of manipulating our senses in, in that way. We, we feel the kind of space differently. <laughs> if yeah. I say it my way, this is, this is my kind of understanding of many, many Sibelius works. I think I know what you mean. Uh, I wanted to add to the Symphony Number no. 5, which was commissioned for his own 50th birthday from the Finnish government. He said about it, it is as if God Almighty had thrown down pieces of a mosaic for heaven's floor and asked me to find out what was the original pattern. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, that's the reason he wrote it three times, and only the third time he was uh, happier with, with the result. I think uh, this is the same that happened to Beethoven very, very clearly, that he had an idea about a kind of a thematical unit or a phrase or just a few notes, and, and he couldn't find out how to, how to use them, but he had this kind of um, abstract idea of the possibilities of, of certain things, certain items in music. And that, that certainly was happening in the Fifth Symphony. If you see the sketches or listen to the first version of it, it becomes obvious that um, uh, he wanted to work on, on something unconventional with these items, but didn't quite know how at the beginning. And uh, only after I did the first version, I, I really understood how uh, laborsome that process was for him. <laughs>